0: It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of spending money to improve the team. It was the age of shredding the team to align payroll. If you think I'll ever have a classier opening than this, I don't know what to tell you. Yes, it's a tale of two teams in Cincinnati. And we're talking about it here on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. The podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio area sports. Listen on your favorite podcast platforms by visiting cindaypod.com. That's C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D dot com. Intro theme is Overdrive by Matrica from Upbeat.io. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. No, seriously, keep a receipt on what I actually did for the intro. I actually quoted a good book. A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, in case you wondered. And if you never read it, go read it, because books are good. Anyway, a tale of two teams in Cincinnati. One's spending money, one is aligning payroll. And of course, if you're a Cincinnati fan, you already know about this. But if you haven't been keeping up to track, The Bengals are spending money and the Reds aren't. I know. What a world we live in. The Reds are normally the team that, you know, will have, you know, ambition. And the Bengals are like, oh, it's another season. But, uh, hey, a Super Bowl run does wonders. So, you know, figure that one out. And the Reds, you know, if it wasn't that darn St. Louis team winning what was it? A ridiculous amount. What was it? 20? I keep thinking 16, but I I don't know. St. Louis won a bunch. Reds didn't. They cooled off in August at the worst time and the Cardinals got hot. I honestly thought that, you know, this year the Reds might not be bad. And then here comes free agency, but we're not going to talk about that. Let's start off on the right track and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals spending money. Now, of course, I want to lead off with saying just because a team is spending money doesn't mean squat. Like, honest to goodness, I mean, look at uh, Trey Wayne's contract. We all thought, hey, that's a really good signing and he plays a few games. So, I mean, we can't tell they're going to be, you know, adequate additions to the team. But, you know, there's always there's always a chance that they will. You know, it's the thought that counts, and the Bengals are actually adding on to the team to make it better and hopefully bring home the Lombardi Trophy. Lombardi Trophy. So, Cincinnati's already made a couple great moves. I will say uh, some of the ones that, you know, might not be big splashes, you know, keep Fred Johnson around. I mean, he's okay. Like, third line, second line, you know, on the O-line, Joe Bacci, the linebacker, Jalen Davis, cornerback, and as much as I hate that it was applied to him, the franchise tag to Jesse Bates, which doesn't mean he'll play under the tag this year, it just means the Bengals get more time to, you know, sign him to a contract he deserves, and hopefully Cincinnati pulls through in that category. I think they will, but I'm not a future teller. Otherwise, I would have won the lottery like 82 trillion times and not be this dirt poor. But some of the big moves the Bengals have made guard Alex Kappa is coming in from Tampa Bay. Yes, I know. A lot of the Bengals fans wanted Senator Ryan Jensen, but that darn Tom Brady decided to unretire after two months. <laughs> he spent two months with his kids, like, nah. <laughs> let's head back to the field, you know, 300 pound men lending on me is okay. So a four year deal for Buccaneers guard, Alex Kappa, which is a massive upgrade at right guard. And that's one of the parts of the line that need to be worked on. So, Hey, that's some pretty good moves. Also another nice move, former new England Patriot guard slash center Ted Karras. I said guard slash center because you know, now where is he going to play? three-year deal for the interior offensive lineman. He'll upgrade either left guard or center, depending on how the Bengals want to continue from this point on. But first day, bam, bam, two big moves to solidify that offensive line. How about that? Again, it's not saying that, you know, it's an instant, you know, Super Bowl trip. But I like the moves the Bengals are making. This is a team that's spent money in the past few years, and yeah, last year was the first year- good year in a while, but you gotta start somewhere, and hey, I really like it. I really like it. Hopefully there is more you know after this recording on March seventeenth Actually, there's another signing right before I hit record, and no, it's not offensive line it is you know, another replacement, which we'll talk about a little bit. Bengals did lose a few people. Larry Ogunjobi chose the Chicago Bears, which, you know, that opens the door to re-sign B.J. Hill, which, reading through most people's thoughts, B.J. Hill is, you know, I think he's better than Ogunjobi. First of all, he was able to play, I believe, all season compared to Ogunjobi getting injured in the first playoff game, which is not a knock on Ogunjobi. Football is a very physical sport, and it happens. And, you know, a monster contract by Chicago, you know, looks probably better than what Cincinnati might have offered him because I don't know if the Bengals were able to keep Ogunjobi and B.J. Hill. In case you're wondering, B.J. Hill, massive three-year deal to come back. Heck yeah. And don't forget, this is a guy that the Bengals picked up I feel like a week before the regular season or maybe even, you know, in shorter time than that for Billy Price to the New York Giants. Thanks, NYG. You're the best. <laughs> There's a loss that, uh, that really stings CJ Uzama, the tight end, really a good leader in the locker room for Cincinnati. He is not going to be a Bengal. He's going to be a New York jet for three years. That hurts. And that's one I didn't see coming. But Jets like what he brings to the table. He's a solid tight end. And, you know, again, good locker room presence. Maybe, you know, the Jets need some of that themselves. Jets need a little bit of everything, but I'm not trying to rag on the Jets here. That's not what we do. We don't insult people. We don't call people idiots because they think differently. Unlike some of our outfits, but you're not ready for that cup of tea. Big money deal for CJ Uzama, so he's getting paid, but it's not with the black and orange; it's with the what is it, Kelly Green and white, and the planes and everything. A couple more re-signed players. That's re-hyphen signed players. Remember, re-signed one word is you quit. Re-hyphen sign is you, you know stay with the team. Oh, grammar lessons on an audio podcast. Aren't you glad you listened to this? Yes, you are. Shut up. Long snapper Clark Harris and Michael Thomas are back with the team. Mike Thomas, the wide receiver and backup QB Brandon Allen are back with the team as well. Which, you know, didn't really see Mike Thomas on the field that much. And Brandon Allen, yeah, you can say that, you know, in the one game he started, you know, the pointless game for the Bengals and the Browns that, you know, Bengals are already going to the playoffs. Browns weren't. So, I mean, it's good to have continuous action there. So, And this article does not have the newest signing. My phone does. By my phone, I mean the score. Bengals signing Hayden Hurst, the former Falcons tight end on a one-year contract. Let's look at that story a little bit more. By the way, the... Up to date uh, free agency tracker is bangleswire.usa.today. And, you know, just recording this, I literally got this while hitting record. So, this is from Intersports Management on Twitter, I believe. They were excited to announce that Hayden R. Hurst has agreed to terms with the Bengals on a one year deal. Hashtag who day. So, let's look at Hayden Hurst's stats. It's not the uh, tight end that, you know, you instantly think, ooh, Falcons let him go. No, that's, what is his name, Kyle Pitts? Yeah, it's not him. But that is a nice signing because, again, you need a new TE1 because Uzama has a big deal with the Jets. And I don't know if Drew Sample would be able to fill in the TE1 role, but hey, so Tyler Conklin also went to the Jets. The hell? What the hell, New York Jets? Take all the tight ends. Well, they got the Bengals, got one of the top available tight ends in Hayden Hurst. There's a good chance they'll get one more NFL free agency. The Bengals will, or maybe through the draft. So that is not stats at all. That's just an article from SB Nation, which I'm reading on MSN. But hey, Bengals are addressing holes and actually making signings. I don't think the Bengals are done. There is the whole thing of, hey, Leo Collins from Dallas got cut. And there was talks about, you know, a trade, maybe even trading the Bengals first round pick, which is the second to last one, because, you know, Super Bowl. So let's look at Hayden Hurst's stats. He's been on two teams since 2018. Spent two years with the Baltimore Ravens, played in almost all those games, and almost played in all the games with the Atlanta Falcons the last two years. Last year for Atlanta, 26 catches for 221 yards, three touchdowns, an average of eight and a half yards per catch. And with the Falcons in 2020, his first year with the Dirty Birds, 56 catches, 571 yards. And six touchdowns. So, his touchdowns went half. And he only played three less games in 2021. But, at the same time, you know. These are not bad numbers. His career in the NFL, Hayden Hurst. 57 games played. 125 catches for 1,304 yards. Which is an average of 10.4 yards a catch. Which is... Went down, and actually, the last year with the Falcons, the first year that he failed to get a, you know, double-digit yards per catch average, eight and a half, and then previous year ten point two, and with Baltimore is twelve point five. The first year eleven point six, the last year in Baltimore, twelve touchdowns, and thirteen of his catches were more than twenty yards. Two of them more than forty yards. It's not terrible numbers for a tight end. You got to remember, too, that the Bengals still have one of the best wide-receiving trios in the land. I mean, I know there's other great teams. I mean, the Rams, you saw. And even though Odom Beckham Jr. went down to non-contact injury, Cooper Cup, that dude's a beast. And I am happy he got the Super Bowl MVP. Well. Wow. As happy as I can be. But you get what I'm saying. Cooper Cup did hoist the team to the Super Bowl win. You get what I'm saying there. Also, he rushed once with Baltimore for no yards, in case you were wondering. In his career, just three fumbles, one lost in four years. I'll take that. Incidentally, those fumbles in the one lost was last year in 2021. So, not bad. There is a chance again, Cincinnati looks for more tight ends. You know, maybe Drew Sample gets bumped to TE3 or just more of a blocking tight end. I'd love to see Thaddeus Moss come up on the team. You know, more LSU reunions. Having, you know, Burrow throw to Moss, having Burrow throw to Chase. I know there's a few more LSU Tigers on there, but you get what I'm saying. I'm hope hopefully Thaddeus Moss will make more of a presence with the Bengals. But we will see. So, yeah, the Bengals are actually making moves again for the third year in a row. And I know that first year where they, you know, signed a bunch of signees to actually bolster the defense. Some of them didn't work out. Again, Waynes, but, you know, being injured, you know, it's not like he purposely did that. At least I don't think. You see, the Bengals are on the right track. They saw, hey, people support us. People support a winner. Let's keep that going. Yeah. Funny enough. You know what? I, I still think the Bengals are on the right track, and I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Now, hopefully the Bengals don't run into cap hell situation where they don't have enough money to, you know, keep Burrow, keep Chase, keep the core components on that team. But we don't have to think about that for another few years. This is... Going to be Joe Burrow's third year in the league. And I think the Bengals aren't close to done fixing that offensive line. I, I honestly think that, you know, the first two signings are great signings. And that normally the Bengals don't strike with a red hot iron on the opening day of free agency. You know what I mean? Normally it's a second and third type of thing. That's what it's been for the past few years. But not this year. Well, first day, it was like, hey, We got Karis, We got Kappa. So, you know. Oh, by the way, today's 72 degrees in Cincinnati. Happy spring. Also, hopefully you're wearing your green. Because you're definitely not listening to this on WWSU. And it's the Monday after. But you should be wearing your green anyway. Wright State won their first ever March Madness D1 win. And by that, I mean the big tournament, not like. What was it? CBI they won a few games in a few years back. I don't remember. Uh, going to uh, WXIX, which is, of course, the Fox affiliate in Cincinnati, which is literally W19 in Roman New Rules. Uh, they just mentioned Hurst Centering is fifth year in the NFL. First round draft pick of Baltimore back in 2018, by the way. And two years in Baltimore, two years in Atlanta, one year deal for Cincinnati. And right now, I pencil in for a tight end one, but I don't think Cincinnati's done, not by a long shot. Bengals fans, how exciting is it that we're talking about our team in a positive light? And how exciting is it to listen in Dayton where, you know, Guy actually gives the Bengals credit and not said, oh, Bengals shouldn't exist. Mike Brown, rah, 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 rah. Uh, Mike Cleveland Browns are, uh, you know, an epitome of excellence, yeah, 44 wins in one decade. Nice try. But isn't it nice the Bengals are successful? Wouldn't it be nice if there was another team in Cincinnati that was successful as well that would say, hey, you know, winning brings butts and seats? Let's do that. Well, sadly, on the other half of this story, it is a tragedy. And, you know, normally at this point, I would be celebrating the fact that Rob Manfred, you know, did not destroy baseball. Yeah, he did. Lockout lasted nearly 100 days. And now we can't shift because Rob Manfred, everybody. Why, why, why does he have this hatred for the shift? You know the best way to get rid of the shift? You hit against it. You don't hit into the shift. You hit against it. You bloop it over the infielder. That's not part of the shift. Wow. But no, no one would see that. They want to see, you know, extended bases, which fine. It does help out in safety. I don't think anyone's really going to notice about that. And people want to see the designated hitter, which, okay. I knew this was coming a long time, but why, why is this such a thing? You know, the big thing in baseball is it's not any of those things that are killing the sport. It's the lack of access to the sport. You can't even properly showcase your own superstars. How many people on this site know about Mike Trout and the overratedness of Bryce Harper? You know, $330 million for 13 years to hit about two fifty. million. Wow. Definitely worth the money. And I know there's people going to be like, oh, you're you're a hater. No. No. Just a guy that thinks Bryce Harper's overrated. And There you go. And no, I don't consider him one of the superstars. I will consider Mike Trout a superstar because, you know, he is. But at the same time, why is it that, you know, people can't, you know, watch games if they're blacked out? You know, you're blocking access. I mean, luckily in Cincinnati, you know, that's not really a Big issue. I say that same big issue. But why in the heck can I not listen to baseball games on the radio? Good Lord, it's internet audio. It's free. Get over it, Rob Manfred. (sighs) Sorry. I mean, I should be happy that baseball's back, and I think the Reds are playing today, which, you know. But Let's say, uh, let's actually take a peek and see what the Reds have been Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you knew this was coming. Uh, the greatness of what the Bengals are doing, the Reds decided to open up, shop, and sell, sell, sell. Ugh. So the first deal that the Reds made to the Minnesota Twins. The Reds dump off right-hander Sonny Gray and minor leaguer Francis Bergero, which if you follow the Dayton Dragons last year, you know. Solid reliever. Solid back end. Probably would have been high A, double A this year, perhaps. He did have a rough stretch in the latter part of the year, but eh. And the Reds give right-hander Chase Petty. Chase Petty we can click on his name and open up a new tab in Firefox and wait for it to load and then try to stretch out so there's not dead air. Chase Petty, he was in the what is that Florida Coast League in rookie ball last year. His stats, a 540 ERA, one start two games. He threw five innings total, gave up three earned runs, six hits, no home runs on 37 pitches, walked one, struck out six, and average against him was 300. So, yeah. That's not necessarily great numbers, but again, very new to the FCL Twins organization. So, I'm not reading too heavily on that, so... Daytona Dayton is probably going to be his stop, which is low a high a, which we probably need to talk about that before we say goodbye. I'm looking at my time and I'm not even halfway through an hour yet. And I'm talking about the reds already. Yeah, I know how to time manage said, not me, except I just did. So the next move the reds make, to the Seattle Mariners. The Reds trade left fielder Jesse Winker and third baseman A. Eugenio Suarez for right-hander Justin Dunn, center fielder Jake Fraley, left-hander Brandon Williamson, and player to be named later. Which, of course, is a list that the Reds make, and they say, hey, these players, and they're going to watch them for a little bit. And to complete the trade, it'll happen, you know, months after. And then they'll pick it, and then I'll complete the the trade. Okay. A. Eugenio Suarez. I liked him. I was glad he was a red, but looking at last year, oh boy, he struggled. He struggled mightily. Ooh. It was not a good year. And you can also make the argument that the past two years, not very good. I mean, you need to have flashes of brilliance, but yeah, he struggled the last two years. So, Okay, fine. I'm okay with that. But Jesse Winker, why are you getting rid of him? He's part of your future. He's only been with the Reds a few seasons, and you get rid of him? Why? Why did you get rid of Jesse Winker, Reds? And I know what Nick Cross said to Align Payroll. I've mentioned it on the intro. i mentioned it a few times. Don't give me that crap. What are you doing, Reds? He's going to be your future in the outfield, and yet, nah. See, even my male cat Levi agrees. What are you doing? He might be hungry. I don't know. And now I'm hoping his meows come through the mic, or else it just sounds like I'm talking to nobody, and I'm a crazy person. But you already think I am. I know it. Why are you getting rid of Jesse Winker for? The dude embraced Cincinnati. The dude was a good hitter. The dude was a decent outfielder. Did you get rid of him? just Let's look at the names. Because it's only fair. We'll start with Jake Fraley. He's an outfielder. Loading, loading, loading. Age 26. Bats left. Throws left. His draft. He was picked by the Rays in 2016. That's why his name sounds familiar. I feel like I've seen Jake Fraley before. That might be with... Uh, the Bowling Green Hot Rods. Let's check now. Because that's going to drive me nuts. If I don't check it. Um, Nellie was with Hudson Valley. In 2016. And in 2019. Looks like he just skipped. Single way altogether. So why am I thinking that name sounds familiar? I don't know. I do notice that. Oh yeah, 2020, there wasn't a uh, season. And yeah. Nope, excuse me. He was in short season A, which starts in July. It's not full season A, so... Uh, uh, sure. But his minor career... God, this is not helpful to read. His batting average was 288. It's on base plus... What is that on-base percentage? 366. I think it was on-base plus. OPS. That's what I'm thinking. On-base plus slugging in the minors, 850. And his slugging percentage, about 48%. And that's his minor league career. However, he did play some in the majors last year. 44 at-bats, 11 hits. So, what is that? 250? Yeah, I guess that's 250. I think it was like 111 or something. That's why I don't do math live on this podcast. I sound like an idiot. His whole MLB career, he's hitting 239 with 28 hits out of 117 at-bats, 17 RBI, 7 stolen bases. I I, I just... uh, Sure. I mean, there's more to that, too. Uh, Let's look at Justin Dunn next. I think some of these might be just... No? He was in the majors last year. Drafted by the Mets in the first round. I think the Mets' first pick in 2016. 19th overall from Boston College. Last year, lost a game. uh, Pitched in four, started three, a 5.73 ERA. In 11 innings, he struck out 15. In his MLB career, he's 0-2. His ERA drops a little bit at 4.25. Six games started, 12 appearances in 29 and two-thirds with 40 Ks. Now, I know I'm going to say, oh, this name looks familiar, but that is incorrect because of the fact that, yeah, with the Dayton Dragons and the Reds organization, we don't see the Mets in single light nor advanced day now. And Brandon Williamson, let's look at that. Now, this is a left-hander. A little bit younger than Dunn. He's 23. And his two teams in 2021, he was with Advanced A Northwestern League in Eve, and then with the Arkansas Travelers. Is that Everett? I think that's Everett. So, his minor league career four wins, six losses, a 3.25 ERA, and 28 starts, 29 appearances, and one hold to his name. No saves. 113 and two thirds innings and I mentioned the 3.25 minor league ERA and looks like he has yet to reach the majors because again, his highest spot was double a and that was last year with Arkansas. So if the Reds want to keep him there, that'd be a stop to Chattanooga for him. If they want to freshen him up, maybe a drop in date Dayton, I keep forgetting Dayton is now ahead of Daytona. And it used to be you can say Dayton's low A, but Daytona is advanced A because they have another A because it's literally Dayton with an A at the end. Oh, but you can't do that anymore because Rob Manfred. Why do you get rid of Jesse Winker? I don't understand it. I don't understand that at all. Suarez, fine, but Winker was part of your future. The dude. Eh. I'm going to have to look back in this. Dude. Okay, last year he hit 256. Why did I think he hit like 385? Is that Cassianos I'm thinking about? He did have that cold stretch towards the end, but still. What are you doing? And now I have to look at that terrible hashtag, see us rise, like the C. Thanks, Seattle. I was rooting for you, but now I don't know if I can. No, I'm just kidding. And the next signing be free agent shortstop J.T. Riddle. Oh, you mean the Reds will actually get a shortstop? Nope, it's a minor league contract. Thirty years of age, hit a buck sixty-seven in thirty at bats. Frankfort, Kentucky native, so Reds country. But again, most likely heading to. You know, the minors. A chance to probably compete for the major league team, but I don't know if he gets it. Last year with Minnesota, he played in four games and went two for six. His MLB career, he's hitting two twenty three And yes, the three thirty three definitely helps up that average, but again, six at-bats. In 2020 for Pittsburgh, which... How did I forget he was a Pittsburgh Pirate? I don't know. That was a weird year. 149 with Miami. He spent his first three years in the majors at Miami. Maybe that's why that name's familiar. 250 his first year in 2017. 2018, 231. 2019, 189. So, yeah. But that's not the move I want to talk about. This one, okay, I'll nod my head and say fine. Kansas City Royals trade left-hander Mike Miner and Cash. Ooh, I can't wait to see Cash. Does Cincinnati Reds for Amir Garrett? I love Amir Garrett. I think he's a tremendous person, and seeing him pick baseball over basketball while he was in Dayton, you know, I, I became a fan. And I know that's not impartial of me, but yeah, I wanted to see Amir Garrett as a Red for a long time. And yeah, Amir Garrett was better in the beginning bar of the Reds, and the last few years has really uh, taken a turn for the worse, let's say that. But the dude competes, and the dude fought off the Pittsburgh Pirates by himself. We'll always have that moment, but now he's a Kansas City Royal. Mike Miner, that's not a bad pickup. Um, there are people that are already saying he's a better Wade Miley, which... Uh, He's bounced around. He's 34 years, so age is getting up there. A left-hander, can't have enough of those. His MLB career, he is 6-6. Six six. Wait a minute. Is this not the Mike Miner I'm thinking of? He's 6-6 six six with a 3.54 ERA. He has started 29 games, pitched in 44 total, thrown 127 innings, and struck out 108. And his whip is 1.26, very close to what he had last year at 1.25. Which, yes, I do forget what whip is. There's so many stats. It's like, do we really need all these stats? I and mean, come on. Drafted by the Atlanta Braves with the seventh overall pick back in 2009 out of Vanderbilt. And his nickname is Meaner. Don't know why that is. There should be an explanation. Like, why is your nickname this? So, yeah, he's he's a former All-Star. I remember that. And you can see his advanced career stats getting to Atlanta in 2010. Again, drafted 2009, or 2009 even, if you're not stupid like me. His MLB career, a 4.11 ERA, which, why is that telling me different? That's weird. His career stats... He has won 79 games, lost 78 of them, a 411 ERA with 209 starts, 276 appearances total, with four complete games, two shutouts, 17 holds, six saves out of nine opportunities, and 1,311 innings pitched. So yeah, that sounds a lot better with 1,197 strikeouts and 376 walks with 21 being intentionals. So yeah, that's not a bad pickup. You know, you have to find a replacement for Sonny Gray, which I still don't understand why the Reds got rid of him. Dude was... (sighs) I still think Sonny Gray was perfect as a Red, and I like that he bounced his career back. In Cincinnati. I mean, I know he had a rough go in New York, but you know, with the media there and everything and expectations super high because you just on the pinstripes. I get it. I, I I don't I don't like a lot of these moves, and I'm not the only one as we go to Spectrum One News. And this is an article from Tino Bovenzi, uh written today. This morning, actually, 7.41 a.m. on St. Patrick's Day. And this is a lot of people not happy with moves. So first fan talking to Spectrum One News is Tony Campbell. His basement is a shrine to baseball, which sounds like a cool place. We will never see another team like this again, especially not back in our city. The days of the Big Red Machine are long gone. So too, he said, are the days of the current Cincinnati Reds being competitive. So he doesn't see a reason to attend opening day. I was, yes, I'm not now, Tony said. I already got rid of my tickets. So that is one. Let us see if there's another fan. There's got to be. Nope, I guess it's just the one fan. Why does it say fans? When it's talking to one fan, Spectrum, you're making me sound like an idiot. Although I could have looked at the article ahead of time, but what's the fun of that? He and his son, Brent, typically look forward to what's in store at Great American Ballpark, but not this year. Reds management slashed the team's payroll, sending away pitcher Sonny Gray, all-star outfielder Jesse Winker, fan favorite Eugenio Suarez, as well as several key other core players. And there's also another part that I haven't got to, Nick Castellanos. Reds haven't even talked to his agent. Haven't even talked to his agent. There's a good chance Cassianos is going to take a mega big deal because, you know, past few years in Cincinnati, yeah, he deserves a mega big deal. And the Reds, even if they're, you know, doing so hot, can't afford it because, you know, small market, city, you know, all that. I hate that term, but yeah, haven't even talked to him. What are you doing, Reds? What are you doing? The Reds moves this offseason have Brett turning red in the face, so he'll stay away from attending games. And I can tell you, going on Twitter, he's not the only one. There's a Reds royal. That's a weird saying. Let's start out again. There's a lifelong Reds fan that's now in South Carolina that's angry on all the moves. And you know what? I don't blame him. Some of these moves... there's a reason why, it's just, I'll tell you in a minute. But, they do understand some of the moves, but here's a big sentence here. Brett says, I think Bob Castellini should just move on at this point. It hasn't worked out for quite a long time. If he's got a chance to sell, I think, get your money and go. While the Reds won't call it a rebuild, what would you call it? I would call it a destruction and rebuild because, again, a lot of key pieces are gone. They said finances are an ongoing issue because of the pandemic. Stop using that as an excuse. Seriously. Fans are able to come back. It looks like things might begin back to normal, although there is a new virus strand that is starting to emerge in New York, New England area which is maybe an even catchier version of Omicron, which, yeah, Omicron wasn't, you know, it was more like a severe cold and anything. But yeah, the pandemic's still going on, but stop using that as an excuse. Seriously. The Reds' home opener is April 12th against the Cleveland Guardians. It's going to be weird not calling them the Indians, but, eh, whatever. It's the third time in the team's history that they won't open at home and the last time was 1990, and yeah, you can say, well, what happened in 1990, Lee? And yeah, the Reds won the World Series. I don't see it happening now, especially with the Dodgers adding and getting Freddie Freeman from the Braves. And then the Braves getting Matt Olson and signing him to, what was it, an eight- or nine-year deal? Signing him long-term. But not the Reds. Oh, by the way, they signed free agent right-hander Buck Farmer. I saw him with West Michigan. And he's bounced around a lot since Detroit let him go. I remember if Detroit let him go. Yeah, 2013, he was with West Michigan either that year or 2014. Let's look and find out. 2014, three teams. Yeah, he was with West Michigan for 18 starts. He was a starter and had a very cool 260 ERA, 10-5 record with the Whitecaps and 103 2.2 Point 2. two innings pitched, and then once he got to what would that be in the minors? RR. is that uh, Round Rock? That's got to be Round Rock. So I guess he got traded. Or It'd be nice to see you know transactions MLB website, but I guess you're not interested in telling me that I- he was with the Texas Rangers, but now he's a Red. So there you go. He's only a few years younger than me. So yay, that makes me feel nice. Let's look back at the MLB stats. Did get up to the big show in 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 with Detroit. His ERA kind of up there in all those appearances. In his MLB career, 15 wins, 21 losses. In 21 appearances, out of the bullpen, no starts, a 5.33 ERA, and 320 and two-thirds innings pitched. 32 holds, though. No saves, so he's more going to be set up before you think, oh, new closer. No. No, not quite. And what was that, a minor league deal? Yeah. And an invite to spring training, which meaning he could get on the Reds, but yeah. So yeah, big moves by the Reds. You know, there was a tweet that I bookmarked. First time I bookmarked this, or used a bookmark feature since... uh, Now I don't even know where bookmarks are on Twitter. What in... Help, how do I get Twitter? Oh, maybe the big button that says bookmarks, I don't know. Natty underscore sports. And this is five days ago from the day of recording, March 12th. This is who you should be angry with, not just Castellini. They take their stake, profit from you, then throw their main businesses in your face when you go to the ballpark, sometimes on TV. Stop directing your anger specifically at Bob Castellini. Aim correctly. Yeah, widen your aim. Blame everyone on there. There is no reason, no reason that this should have happened. And you know what? At this point, I'd say let the lockout continue. If I knew that the Reds were gonna dump like that, I—I I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is time to sell the team. You know, find someone that'll actually put money in it and keep the team in Cincinnati. Because then, if you sell it to someone, like, ooh, let's move it to New York, because New York could certainly use three baseball teams, or. Um, well, Oakland's situation is looking too great. Tampa Bay, they were looking at that partnership with Montreal, which is stupid. Play half your season in Tampa Bay, play half of it in Montreal. Why? No, that's stupid. Expo should only come back if they're getting a full-year team, you know, that calls Montreal home, which I don't know if that's ever going to happen or not. Hopefully. It does sound like Tampa Bay might be on the move to get a new ballpark in Tampa Bay, but I don't know. Also, Alan Robinson to the Rams. My God, the rich get richer, but hey, it's not a bad pickup. And Baker Mayfield once out of Cleveland. Hmm, talking to other quarterbacks, while your guy that has started to change the culture, once out. Hmm, how many quarterbacks is that now, Cleveland? Sorry, we're talking baseball. It's just depressing talking about the Reds now, so I have to go back on the Bengals because we made it further than the Browns. And I know the Browns' argument is, we beat you twice. Yeah, well, we got in the playoffs and got to the Super Bowl. What's your excuse? And your playoff win was against a Pittsburgh team that is on the decline. Ben Roethlisberger, who has since retired, on the decline. The offensive line, like tissue paper. Good for you. Now move on. Oh, <laughs> Just looking at all these investors and just like, why would you let this happen? Cincinnati, most Cincinnatians will tell you it's a baseball town with a football team and a hockey team and a soccer team, which by the way did win the first game of the year early on. So one and two. That's not that's not terrible. And plus it's their demons Orlando City, which has always tormented FC Cincinnati, but more on that next time, I think. Why would you let this happen? The Reds, again, played a good year last year. Yeah, I know August was tough. That's when everyone decided, eh, let's get cold. It'll be funny, lol. No, that's not how they did it. But if you think about it, just... You were so close in getting into the playoffs, and you decide to dismantle? There is a story to this. Now, I'm just trying to think. Yeah. Thank you, Google, for making me not spell his name incorrectly. I forget. Now, there's horror stories about Bob Castellini. There's one I saw on Twitter where he and his wife made a handicapped person get out of an elevator just because they didn't want to wait. I've heard that. Uh, Of course, there is kicking out Hall of Famer Hal McCoy which probably an interesting podcast story to tell maybe I'll try to get him on my podcast one day if I have time again if I have time I laugh in my head because I don't have time I'm raising a family and you know working on my career I barely have time for this podcast This is from calltothepen.com which is part of Fansighted. Cincinnati Reds owner Bob Castellini sinks to a new low with treatment of Hall of Fame writer. Which is an old story, and how McCoy talks about it. He almost got me fired when I worked when I wrote for the Fox Sports Ohio website telling them that guy is killing us. So yeah, owners not liking what the media is doing. That seems kind of uh, dictatorship-like, but hey. It's good thing we didn't go through that in the United States. Oh. Man, I'm getting awfully political. I I think I'm just not caring anymore. If you got something to say to me, say it to my face. Anyway, going further through what Hal McCoy wrote, I wrote a long note to Castellini, explaining that I love the Reds, but I had to write what I see. The fans aren't stupid, and if I couldn't look at the team through rose-colored glasses, even if Pete Rose was gone. Yeah, Hal Hal McCoy, again, Hall of Fame writer, well-known guy around here, wrote for Dayton Daily News, and legally blind, too, if you didn't know that about Hal McCoy, but good dude, good baseball guy. Yeah, there is – oh, where did I see it? Now this is going to drive me nuts. There was something saying that Bob Castellini, which I believe – what is he part of? Chiquita Bananas? I think – Apparently, his department has to cut like 224 jobs. So, yeah, he's not doing so well. Let's see the news, because I swear this was a news article. Nope, it's about the lockout, which is old news now. And again, we should, should be playing baseball today. Let's go look. And yes, I know, I probably shouldn't follow the Reds, but they are part of Cincinnati. I can watch it free? And it's starting now? Heck yeah. This podcast is just going to be me watching the game. No, no, not really. But thank God it's free. Probably in, like, greater Cincinnati or, like, greater Cleveland, and that's it. Man. Hopefully the Reds wearing their greens so they don't get pinched. ha, ha, ha. Sorry. Even Joey Votto's angry about it. Dude's seen a lot of his teammates that he played the past few years just go like that. And then someone shared a meme of him in the fresh Prince of Bel Air living room. I think it was the series finale where all the furniture's packed up and he's just looking around like, yeah. I, I, uh. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't understand. Also, Donovan Solano was assigning why was that not in transactions because that was you know recent and there's a lot of you know criticism going to nick crawl but i think he's just a puppet at this point there was something saying again i know i'm going to repeat but uh yeah bob castellini's business having to cut either 224 people or 224 departments one of the two and again if i'm correct if he's in chiquita they deal with bananas and you know and everything yeah that's uh that's not great that is not great in the slightest us reds fans deserve better absolutely we do there is uh, you can say it's for payroll but guess what if you have a winner fans will come out to the game it's not bobbleheads i mean family events might help a little but it's not even that in Cincinnati, you have to pay to park to games, which in major league markets, I know that's the standard. And, you know, in Dayton, too, that's the standard for minor league games. It's not like it's just Cincinnati. You have to pay to park. You have to pay to get in the game. Oddly enough, you have to pay to get in and get tickets to games. Weird. How odd. And then there's the good possibility you're hungry. So there's food. You know, your classic stable of hot dogs, maybe bratwurst. You know, there's a Cincinnati, you know, chili aspect there. Frisch's has a stand. Well, I think they did. It's been a few years since I went to Great American Ballpark. But yeah, there's just not really a good reason for all these cuts except a line payroll. And I'm tired of hearing that excuse. We should be competing to get to the playoffs and get through the playoffs not just reaching the playoffs i don't want that i i don't just want our team to be a doormat because i look at pittsburgh and it's just like that's rough it's gotta be rough being a pirates fan and i mean you know the steelers haven't been doing so well i mean yeah mike tomlin he he hasn't had a losing record yet but look at the past two years just and then getting curb stopped by cincinnati in cincinnati too which uh Woo-hoo. Sorry, I mean Penguins. They're still good, but not as good as they were when they won the cups. And Pitts, uh, Pitts, not so great in college hoops. So and then again, big question is: should they have went to the Big East? But you know, there's that. So yeah, I don't want Cincinnati to ever have to worry about being a doormat. That shouldn't happen to the reds shouldn't happen full stop this is the home of the first ever professional baseball team and you have loyal baseball fans think about that and you're letting them down you're making people look at the Bengals and just wait for opening kickoff and then the baseball season is just white noise that's bad You're making Reds the second banana in town. How do you do that? How do you do that? Historically, Bengals have only been... Okay, if you count the first stint uh, since 1968 and then a little bit in the 30s. Which still excites me, the fact that it's named because, you know, Zoo had Bengal Tigers at the time. Which they do. But, yeah. Yeah. That's also in case you want more pain you can relive the cheapness and horrible thoughts of marge shot if you look at one of Urinane trees latest videos which i recommend going to because he's a hilarious sports guy might be a pittsburger but hey he tells the truth and yeah i didn't realize how cheap the March Shot era was. I knew how terrible her thoughts were and everything. I mean, you have to go and watch the video if you're not familiar with. I I am a little surprised that it took so long to get rid of the March Shot name on UC's Baseball Stadium and... Was it Walnut Hills? Withrow? Who had March Shot Hall? Or was it one of the girls' schools? I don't remember. And I think there's a park that might still have her name, but I don't know about that. But yeah, two of the three are gone, but... And it's weird that it took this long to do. You think right after she passed away, but legal issues, everything, I'm not an expert on that. I'm just an expert on local sports. Because you can't get them on Dayton Sports Radio. In our last few minutes of this episode, Cincinnati fans, I want you to think about this. When you think about a good Reds team that's competing for the playoffs and easily one of the top juggernauts in the NL, when you think about Bengals team that's constantly competing for Super Bowls, with Joe Burrow, lean the way. When you think about the Cincinnati Cyclones, lean the way in the ECHL. And When you think about a much improved e- uh, FC Cincinnati team, I was going to say ECHL Cincinnati. What? <laughs> I just talked about the Cyclones. Please help. No, I want you to think about how great of a sports environment Cincinnati will be when we have all the teams competing at their best cyclones have been the most consistent out of the four let's let's not kid ourselves and by the way if you haven't gone to a cyclones game go it's good time it's good fun and i don't want to hear it's a minor league team it's hockey you get to see people run into each other and punch each other sometimes and maybe beer pyramids which is beer cans not like an actual beer never mind like i said go support the cyclones I think it's a shame that they're not talked about more on media, but, you know, that's why I got this podcast. We talk about everything Cincinnati and Dayton-wise. And I want you to think about a great stacked farm system that trickles down to Dayton. You got a successful Dragons team in town. You got successful Reds. Then it's successful Bengals starting up. FC Cincinnati continuing their successful run. How great would that be, fans? I know, it's like you're at the beach, warm, air going through, sound of ocean, waves crashing the sand. I dream of that day, too. But until Reds actually start spending real money and getting, you know, real contenders through the door. Right now, the Bengals are carrying the flag, which I know it's crazy to say after one good year. I don't think Cincinnati is going to drop off anytime soon. Especially if Cincinnati keeps signing people like, you know, Karras and Kappa in the offensive line. I, again, I'll go back and say, not done by a long stretch. I still think Leo Collins might be a Bengal, And that'd be nice to have some closure on that side. But just think, a better offensive line. And what Joe Burrow can do with a better offensive line. If he had a better offensive line with, you know, Jamar Chase getting away from Jalen Ramsey for about the 90th time in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow had a sliver of a second left. He would have found Chase and the Bengals would have possibly won the Super Bowl. And what do you think about that? You know, I have criticized the Reds a lot. But we do have a pretty lucky here. Be cool if we had an NBA team in town, but I don't know if that'll ever happen again. We need an arena to play, of course, but and you know, back then the Royals were great, consistent winners too. It's just a shame that they moved out of Cincinnati, which I don't know if Cincinnati didn't support them or the owner's like, nah, Cincinnati's boring. Let's go spend time in Omaha and Kansas City because one city doesn't have an arena, but the other one does. So there you go. And then goes Sacramento, and then you have the wicked train wreck known as the Kings in California's capital. So I think they do better in Cincinnati, but hey, you know, that's just me. I don't know if they'd be able to, you know, get a team in Cincinnati. First off, Seattle needs an NBA team back. Full stop. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. And then we could talk about another team, which I don't know if NBA be interested in expanding after that, but Seattle needs a team. Definitely. I also love to see Cincinnati get a WNBA team too. Just how how populous girls basketball is in the city. I mean, Dayton Flyers, which I know college basketball talk will happen eventually, hopefully, sometime soon. But Hey, it's gotta happen when I have time. I mean, we'll talk about Dayton Flyers, but what is it, 15th straight year of going to the NCAA big tournament? That's huge. So girls' basketball is definitely alive and kicking in Cincinnati. In fact, out of the state championships that I got to produce the radio calls for, the local area went two and two. Which I know you're saying, two and two, that sounds not great. Okay, there's four divisions in the state of Ohio for girls basketball. Kettering, Alter, and Purcell Marion winning titles. Alter, their fifth, the ninth team in Ohio to win at least five titles. And Purcell Marion winning their first ever. Those are great teams. It was a lot of fun to see them dominate. New Knoxville, which, yes, I can hear the Northwest Ohio saying, that's Northwest Ohio! They're in the Miami Valley, so they're part of the Southwest. So shut up. They battled hard, but Waterford out of Southeast Ohio was too tough. And Mason, man, Mason played well, but Reynoldsburg just came back and took it to him. So, definitely, definitely girls basketball is alive, so hey. But we're we're pretty lucky in Cincinnati. And we got each other. And it's the best bunch of fans that I could ever hope to be with in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. And that's why this podcast exists for you to celebrate local sports just because sports radio doesn't want to. So there you go. That'll do it for this episode. A tale of two teams in Cincinnati. I can't believe the Bengals are the better team of the two of the Reds, but it's happened next time. Hopefully college basketball. I know I've said that like the past 20 episodes, but hopefully we get to it. Hopefully we get to a recap of the basketball playoffs for high school basketball. And college baseball started. Wright State looking good at home. Dayton Flyers looking much improved. This is the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. We'll talk more local sports next time. Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowan. Be sure to bookmark cindaypod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from TeePublic Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SundayPod, and the host at the TheLeeWMowan.com. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mullen signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership and join me on the next episode.